0: Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. (music) Here we go. Time for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm glad to have all of you with us as usual. Um, I'm Bill Nigut. Um Polling is once again uh, dominating a lot of the conversation we're going to have today on the show um, because not only do we have continuing information that we want to share with you from the poll that was conducted by the University of Georgia for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, GPB News, and the organizations that are part of the Georgia News Collaborative. Um, uh, Yesterday we shared top lines of the governor's race, the Senate race, um, and some other details. But there are some interesting issue uh, 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 questions in the poll that um, I'm looking forward to talking to the panel about. Um, Plus, we have a new Quinnipiac poll, which uh, shows somewhat different results than uh, what uh, our poll shows in terms of both the Senate and the governor's race. We'll talk about that a little later. In the show, okay, let's get right to it. I'm very happy that we're joined today by Leroy Chapman, managing editor of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, because Leroy, you essentially oversaw the uh, a lot of the aspects of getting that poll together and disseminating to all of us uh, exactly what you uh, see that poll saw that that poll meant to us. Uh, so thanks for being here.
1: Uh, thank you, Bill, for having me. And yes, polling is uh, kind of one of my many jobs, but it, it is the season. Uh, we are a little bit less than 30 days in, so a lots, lot of folks are uh, paying attention to these polls, and uh, we are glad to be a part of polling in Georgia.
0: Um, we are also joined today by Kurt Young. Not only is he a professor of political science at Clark Atlanta University, but, Kurt, I don't think we say often enough, you are also the chair of the Department of Political Science at Clark Atlanta University. So uh, you, have a, you have a real stature in, at that school. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's what they tell me. Sometimes,
2: you know, we, 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 we hear differently <laughs> uh, it, it's inside the institution, right? But, um, no, it, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to talking about these polls.
0: Absolutely. Leo Smith is back with us as well. Uh, Leo is a Republican political strategist. He is the founder and CEO of Engage Futures, a government relations firm. But Leo, I think uh, more f- in, in terms of the election itself coming up in a few weeks, we should say you're the co-leader of an effort at the Carter Center called the Georgia Democracy Resilience Network, which is came to, the Carter Center put together in an attempt to put of hope with hopes that you can find ways to bring together communities of people to have conversations about how to have um, a much calmer election in terms of how people talk about the elections, about these notions of it being fraudulent and the like. Uh, You can say a little more about it.
3: You know, civil discourse and creating uh, face cards and, and, and people who can go out and speak on behalf of the civil, di- civil discourse and civil elections is the bulk of it. We're using social science to do it. We thank for Clark Atlanta University for hosting Governor Kemp and others um, at your university to do that in a way that we find, you know, consistent with this project. Uh, Rashad Ritchie is my co-lead, the former political director uh, for the Georgia Democrat. So that's how we're doing it, cross-partisan, pro-democracy.
0: All right. Uh, thank you for being here today as well, Leo. Leroy, let's get right to the polling. Um, one of the things we pointed out on the show yesterday that I want to dig into a little more today is uh, this interesting uh, uh, phenomenon in which, although uh, University of Georgia uh, pollsters found that Brian Kemp has a double-digit lead uh, over Stacey Abrams in the race, when when voters, and likely voters, in this poll were asked questions about key issues, they tended to support the positions that Stacey Abrams has taken on abortion, on the proliferation of guns and the uh, new law, which allows people to uh, have uh, open carry of guns without a permit, and um, on a couple of other issues, including, Leroy, and I think this is interesting, casinos. Um, Some 60% of Georgians who answered this poll support the idea of casinos in Georgia which has been a controversial issue in this state for decades.
1: Yeah, that's that's good to point out. And I'm glad that uh, we're looking at some of the issues that uh, this poll uh, took the time to gauge uh, public sentiment on some important issues beyond just the horse race. So, yeah, there's some there's some distance, right, between uh, where you think the candidates traditionally have stood on some of these issues and who's winning the race. And, of course, uh, politics uh, often is about things that are uh, like incumbency, which Kemp has, uh, and also you know, likability and favorability. And when you begin uh, putting that in, sometimes those can get past some of the issues. And, of course, when you think about the issues that might influence a vote, uh, sometimes it's not going to be things like casino gambling because uh, while uh, it looks like that there is more sentiment towards that, which is a position that uh, Stacey Abrams has pushed uh, versus Kemp, who has a long history of opposing it and continues to do so. uh, There's also probably not uh, some urgency among those issues where there's something that's happening right now where either of those candidates can do anything about it. So uh, there is some, a little bit of distance, but again, um, you know, we've been in politics long enough, know that uh, these races are uh, there are a lot of factors that go into uh, what's going to push people. And of course, uh there is something on the ballot that is uh really more immediate and uh with both um the Kemp race and, and, and Abrams race and the Walker um race to the Senate race, uh it is uh, certainly the national backdrop of the economy and things like that. And those things are really pushing people probably even further.
0: Um, yeah, uh, Leo, I, I brought up casinos first, and I think ne- Leroy's right. It's not an issue that people are going to go out and cast their ballot based on. Even, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams has made it uh, clear that she supports casino gambling, whereas Kemp has opposed it for his entire tenure as governor. Um, but it's a, I, I find it interesting because there's a, such a strong religious divide over. I mean, conservative Christians have really been the uh the force that has kept opposition to casino gambling alive and and um so I wanted to just point it out, but clearly, there are more important issues that we can also talk about the poll uh revealing leo
3: yeah, I and mean, we have to also pay attention to who the poll did say that conservatives are a little bit more in favor of paramuttual sports betting, which you know these inconsistencies are really just based on that that's the harder stuff to measure because I think it's important to note that the interest in casino gambling in general, it, there's a threshold because the Georgia GOP actually had a resolution years back in 2014 against casino gambling in Georgia. However, we went ahead and then elected as chairman, a person who represented MGM and John Watson casino gambling. And and he was one of the chief lobbyists. For, so they didn't see that as a reason not to vote for John Watson. In other words, I think that Republicans support casino gambling a lot more than they're letting on to in polling. It's one of those like silent kind of things. And so it's going to be interesting to see that. But overall, as as Republicans talk more and more, and I think one of the things the polling uh, let me see, as as well as looking at other polls nationally, the more Republicans talk about economics, um, the better Republican panelists are doing. The more Democrats talk about cultural issues like abortion and things like that. The better that they'll do. So we've got this fight between, in the polling, between cultural issues and the impact of uh, cultural issues, abortion, and the impact of economic, hard kitchen table
0: issues. Um, Kurt, um, jump in on on this. I and let me add to this that um, abortion was another issue in which the respondents to this poll uh, took Stacey Abrams' position, not Brian Kemp's, uh, by a by a majority. Uh, they are opposed to the heartbeat abortion law. And that strikes me as something obviously Democrats here in Georgia and across the country hope that uh, they can um, um, build some support around as Election Day approaches.
2: I'm I'm listening to the conversation, and you know what comes to mind, Bill, is this long-standing discussion and critique in American voting, which says that quite often electorates, Sometimes won't vote in what's in their best interest, and so how do we define what's in one's interest? We use the polls, right? And so Leroy is making a great point about how the polls are capturing some of these issues that are important to individuals, and individuals will respond uh, to make the point that these issues are important. We then, as the thinkers and the 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 the, the, the experts uh, in the business of polling and making sense of them, we make the connection that well, because these are issues that are important. And candidate A or candidate B embrace these issues, then one should see those issues connected to the support for the candidate. And that's not necessarily the case. We tend to find that there is a a kind of a schizophrenic uh, uh, possibility in the population where we can, on one hand, say these issues are important, but I like this guy better or I like this woman better. And we vote accordingly, right? And so uh, uh, we, we, we have to, I think, anticipate that that's going to happen here again. And you see it, Bill, around issues like abortion, right, uh, the extent to which we can see the numbers telling us and we can hear the political discourse emphasizing that abortion is an important issue. But will it translate into support of one candidate or another? I, I know we. Uh, I want to make one last point, Bill, before we, we, we uh, shift. Uh I think Leo makes a great point, but I would I would add just one slight uh piece to it. I I think we can make the case that both sides will utilize and pursue the cultural issue when it's you, when it's uh useful to them, right? Uh to the same way that we saw uh Youngkins in, in um in Virginia Virginia utilize critical race theory and education and what have you to Uh, Sort of um, uh, push him over the top.
0: All right, Um, I I, we got to get this. It's a pledge show today, and uh, I want to get to the people who can help you uh, if you would like to support GPB Radio and Political Rewind. uh, Learn how you can do that. We obviously need your support, and all of you out there who say you have become uh, sustainers or contributors because of this show, I am extremely grateful to you. But when we come back. Uh, Leroy, there's a way in which I kind of buried the lead on one of the most important figures in this poll, and that has to do with how the current cost of living is having an impact on voters as they think about uh, how they're going to cast their ballots. We'll do that and more uh, once we come back after you've had an opportunity to hear how you can join us at GPB Radio. Chapman, Managing Editor of the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. You're the last guy I want to have on the show when I bury the lead. Uh, so let's get right to what I think is one of the most important findings in uh, your poll that we never talked about yesterday. Uh, you, you asked, uh, we all asked, because this was a cooperative effort between AJC, GPB News, and the uh, Georgia News Collaborative, which is like 100 organizations around the state uh, working together on this. Um, you, you, we asked the question first, Uh, How much of an impact have rising prices had on your day-to-day life? 54% said that they have had a significant and negative impact. But surprisingly, I thought um, about 45% said either they had a noticeable but not a significant negative impact or little or no real impact at all. Still, Leroy, a majority of people say that, uh, that what they're paying for goods and services is uh, troubling them right now and having a, a, a real impact on how they live their daily lives.
1: Yeah, so what we're seeing here, of course, is that the economy and what all of us are feeling at the gas pump, uh, going to the grocery store, uh, paying for just about any, any consumer good right now, you're paying more uh, probably than you did last year. So it does uh, cut across, if you look, uh, dig into the poll, uh, it cuts across uh, sort of a, a wage earning, a house, household wage earning um, uh, strata. So if you look at where uh, the most uh, affluent uh, folks are and also the least affluent, uh, you see still some similarities of concern. So not only is it uh, I'm paying more, but also we did ask too about uh, will some of this influence uh, who you support and uh, just about more than 90% said, yes, uh, the economy and uh, my standard of living and how expensive things are will uh, influence my vote. So, again, when you talk about the issues that might move any of these races, the economy uh, is going to be top of mind. Uh, now, I'll, I'll say that with at least this one caveat. I mean, the poll is picking up that there are some other things that have to happen uh, if you're looking at the races mm-hmm. individually. But, but the backdrop of the economy is a concern for everyone. Uh, another uh, uh important thing too is housing affordability. So looking at that uh, again, across income streams, you, you you really see concern just about everywhere. And so if you think about folks who are property owners, I mean even those who have seen uh increases in their values, they are concerned about uh the prices of housing affordability. So it's being
0: felt everywhere. Um uh, Kurt Young, this is a good question for a political scientist. When you look at the crosstabs on the question of, of uh, how, whether the economy will help determine how people vote, uh, we find that uh, for it's much stronger among conservatives and Republicans who say by a majority in both cases it's extremely important in how they'll decide their vote, probably a vote against the present administration and how the national economy is faring, And of course, among Republicans, a majority say it's extremely important, whereas Democrats say it, it isn't quite as important to them. So there is that partisan divide uh, operating in this
2: poll. So let's imagine, let's imagine that there is a, a section of conservatives and Republican voters who may be somewhat dis. Uh, 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 more, more inclined to vote across party lines. All right, let's let's say that they're moderate, and 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 they can point to some reason, whatever they may be, to uh, support the opposing candidate or a candidate who represents the opposing uh, um, um, party. That may be a pattern that we can see throughout American history. We may even infer that that could happen. Uh, in this election, because of the what we perceive to be a divide in the Republican Party between between traditional Republicans and conservatives, and those who align themselves with the MAGA movement, right? Uh, it, 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 this is a somewhat different election, though, because of the polarized nature of the electorate in the, in, in American politics in general, right? Such that, such that. Um, Those voters may find, at the end of the day, that the problem with the economy, as Zero is pointing out, may be that factor that allows them to say, "Okay, although I may feel a certain kind of way about the uh, um, the current state of the Republican Party, uh, uh, the state of the economy is enough to uh, uh, allow me to hold my nose and vote the way that I would uh, uh, as as a member of the party, um, a loyal member of the party, right?" And and uh, what I'm emphasizing here is just the nature of the current climate right now and that that's that's uh, and i don't believe in two sides of them right uh, both sides I of don't, them i don't believe in that but you see a somewhat similar dynamic among the democrats part of what biden is dealing with i'm imagine we'll get to some of that uh is that his approval ratings <clears throat> reflect discontent among democrats all right, uh, not only in terms of the economy, but also in terms of his position on a number of of issues and uh, um, related to his campaign. But really, so, these voters have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere else to go, given again the nature of the uh, of the possibilities of what twenty twenty two will indicate for two thousand twenty four. Right, they really have nowhere else to go. So uh, we find this alignment staying in place as it is.
0: Leo.
3: Yeah, I think this is all very interesting. And I, and I think that we need to be careful about sort of casting Brian Kemp and uh, Stacey Abrams' race in a national light, which is why I'm always very interested in looking at Quinnipiac's polling differences for the Kemp-Abrams race and the AJC's great polling. And and in that I think when you do a local poll and you kind of get more into the nuances of what's the culture and ecosystem like in Georgia – where for Georgia, um, Brian Kemp has actually shown favorability towards the number two thing on the AJC polls, which is the number two thing on the Quinnipiac poll, and that is support for a functioning democracy, good, fair, accessible elections. And Brian Kemp recently, I mean, being one of the endorsers of our candidate principles for our Democracy Resilience Project with the Carter Center, has endorsed that, as has Stacey Abrams. And he's always pushed back against the big lie and that sort of thing. I think that sort of equates Brian Kemp on, in a way that polling won't pick up. And I think that really means a lot with the big swing voters, the independent voters. And so independent voters are a large majority in Georgia now, a growing majority in Georgia. And they are actually now a swing vote that means more. And they typically are more conservative. So I would even give Kemp a greater edge. Um, on
0: in polling than what polling is presenting. Um, Leroy, let's talk about uh, what uh, 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 Leo just brought up. This notion of uh, how people feel about democracy. There's a question on our poll about that. Uh, I'll read it. Uh, the language as it was uh, 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 read out to the people who responded. How satisfied are you with the way democracy is working in our country? Are you very satisfied? Somewhat satisfied? Not too satisfied? Or not? at all satisfied. And we find that um, of fewer people, something like 43 or 44% said they are very or somewhat satisfied, but well over 50% said they're not satisfied uh, in many ways. Here's my only concern about that question always. In, in, in all the polls I see with this question, Leo, Leroy, we, I, the question is, You could be a Republican who's not satisfied because you believe that the election in 2020 was fake, or you can be a Democrat and believe that uh, Donald Trump is undermining uh, democracy. And I'm not sure that we don't have crosstabs that capture uh, that. Maybe more important is the fact that a majority of people, whether it's because they love Trump or hate him, think the democracy is failing.
1: Yeah, you know, that question, uh, you're right. It it does not um, necessarily capture that nuance, uh, which, again, would speak to, uh, depending on how you view it, you could, it's just dissatisfaction, satisfaction. So it would be just like any other thing you attract, you know, direction of the country, things like that, favorability, uh, you don't really know exactly what might be driving it necessarily, but you just know that there's sentiment out there that might be uh, uh, some dissatisfaction. Now, in the same poll, we did ask specifically about uh, some of the changes that were made. And uh, one question we did ask is that, you know, legislature made changes to the way we cast ballots. And uh, we did ask about uh, specifically about uh, the photo ID to cast an absentee ballot. And that became, you know, an issue. So that one's more specific. And so the support there is a little bit over two-thirds. Uh, there was some opposition, though. I mean, I guess about a third, and, and and very few people were undecided about that one because the discussion that we had. But but broadly, though, just in terms of uh, do you think that your vote is going to cast an election result? Uh, do you think that they will be accurate? Uh, that is something that we will probably ask again in our next poll, and I think that would get back to to your question really, because that is about whether or not people feel secure. Uh, in um, their their own vote and and whether or not they trust election results. So I think there's a question that we can pose that will get to those specifics.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, um, Leo, that um, uh, people in this poll said they are satisfied with the notion of a a photo ID for an absentee ballot, one of the new parts of the law. But uh, by a bigger margin, they really opposed the uh, uh, limitations of ballot drop boxes. So there's both sides of that. But but real quickly, because we do have to get to our final pledge break of the show, Leo. Whether it's because you're pro-Trump or uh, anti-Trump, the fact that a majority of people who respond to this polls wo- poll worry about the future of our democracy is troubling.
3: Very troubling, and also but but it's also very encouraging that from journalism journalism organizations to chambers of commerce to candidates, we're seeing people come on and sign on to these principles for civil, peaceful, accessible, and secure election. And that gives us hope that institutions are getting involved. So hopefully we can keep moving in that direction.
0: All right. um, We have to get to our final pledge break of the show. And and let me just again take a moment to say how grateful I am for the many people out there who have written me notes, uh, sent me tweets, however you've done it, to tell me that you are a supporter of Political Rewind that you believe it's worthwhile to write a check every now and then uh, to keep this show going. You know, five days a week, five hours a week live, five more hours of our reruns in the afternoons takes a lot of work uh, by the team that does this show uh, behind it, uh, my fronting it every single day. And all of us are grateful for whatever you do to help us. Here's how you can get involved in that effort. You know, Leroy Chapman, um, many of the questions on this poll reflect um, what all the polling out there across the country does these days. That's the strong partisan divide, maybe tribalism uh, that keeps us divided. So let's talk instead about a unifying question on the poll. It's a really interesting question I've never seen asked before. Would you recommend to out-of-state friends or family that they move to Georgia? And although the majority numbers do vary a bit, the fact of the matter is that across the board, men, women, uh, race, a, a, a divides along race or ethnicity, age groups, and all the rest, the majority say, yep, I'd suggest people move to Georgia. A positive note, Leroy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, uh, yes, indeed. So uh, two-thirds, uh, more than two-thirds. So that's pretty strong. And, and I, of course, uh, sit among those of us who was not born here, but who came here for, for work and made it home. So uh, I think that what we're seeing here, as much as uh, the folks of us who live, those of us who live here growls about traffic and how people are coming here, adding to it, to that and and, and the price of uh, housing and things like that, uh, I think this is a positive. that certainly speaks to uh, the experience uh, that people who live here have and what they would like for others to to also experience. and so. Uh, the mayor uh, was at Mayor Dickens was uh, recorded our podcast, uh, the Georgia podcast with us, and he continued to tout the Money Magazine said Atlanta is the best place uh, in the country to live, and he said that's certainly part of what uh, his um, his own office is doing to try to convince the Democratic Party to have their national convention here in 2024. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I think uh, there are lots of things that contribute to that uh, livability, uh, and, and of course, while Uh, We are all um, affected by inflation. I think if you look comparatively at the cost of living here, uh, that's still a pretty strong factor into why people uh, would recommend folks
0: move here.
3: I think that's one of the beautiful parts of the polling that the J J C did to ask questions like that. I recall uh, New York Times columnist Charles Blow, uh, who is very critical of Georgia socially, but then he launches a campaign to get black elites to move to Atlanta and to move to Georgia. I mean, in other words, when you really drill down to it, the freedom, some of the economic opportunity, the small business environment support, those things sometimes can outdraw some of these hard social issues that the national political scene says about Georgia, that we're this repressive, suppressive kind of environment. But yet you see all these people who are socially progressive. Um, looking for economic opportunity here. And that has to weigh out in how we vote in the polls.
2: That's a great point. Great point. And if you think about it, this trend, uh, and of course, certainly it's not just the African-American community, but it's been a popular discussion in the African-American community for 30 years, right? Uh, Atlanta, Hotlanta, uh, the capital of the South, uh, uh, entertainment, uh, uh capital of the South, and uh, Black Hollywood, and on and on and on. Uh, the presence of the Atlanta University Center as a mecca as for Black education in it, itself. And of course, I'm just talking about Atlanta. You have other parts of the state that's very attractive, and now... Part of what's taking place is the country is becoming very aware. I'm not sure if this is going to trigger a major um, move to the south, uh, to Georgia, but the extent to which Georgia is uh, front and center in the American uh, political discourse. And the last dynamic that I would argue is taking place here is Atlanta, is, uh, the state of Georgia, is a major target for this reverse migration, right? This history of, of African-American migration north uh, started reversing in the late, late 70s and throughout the 80s. And so Atlanta has been a target, a destination point for that remigration south. Uh, so we're seeing that now uh, reflected not just, of course, in the African-American community, but other communities as
0: well. All right. I, I I appreciate you're all weighing in on that. I thought it was an interesting finding. I certainly don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about it. But many of the people that, who were surveyed have significant problems with the way uh, things are going in the state, including including uh, women who are upset about abortion, the abortion law, cl- including uh, people who support Stacey Abrams who think voter suppression is a major problem. So, uh, But nevertheless, in the long run, they're saying, I guess— we'd just soon see people come here and work these problems out because in other ways it's a good state to be. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Quinnipiac poll, but, but I want to do it in the context first of uh, Stacey Abrams' reaction to the poll that we released, all of us, uh, yesterday. Uh, Leroy, we knew that this poll, which shows a 10-point gap between Kemp and Abrams, was going to get a significant pushback uh, from the Abrams campaign. I think they'd be uh, remiss not to suggest uh, that they don't uh, think it reflects how people will actually cast their ballots. Um, and here's just one thing that Abram said. She said, we know my ability and my capacity to invest in turnout is what changed the game in 18. It's what won the game in 20 and 21. And we are going to continue to do that work because I see polls as a snapshot, not a predictor. And Leroy, that's exactly right. And we say that all the time on this show. A poll is a snapshot of a moment in time, and especially when a state is as divided as Georgia is so closely, turnout and who can get their people to the polls is going to have a bigger impact than what a poll shows three weeks before an election, right?
1: Yes. So, uh, so she is right uh, on, on all counts with that. So it is a snapshot. And it's going to be close. So even the, it's showing the spread, but there is the margin error. error. So it could be closer for sure. Uh, so there, there is that. And, of course, uh, I think her campaign also points to some of the things that we've seen nationally with polling not being able to capture some enthusiasm among women and some other uh, voters who are not likely voters because this is likely voters. These are people, uh, they're in this poll because they have voted uh, before And that's how we have their information. That's how we who we contact. Well, um, it, it, it would not capture people who are perhaps hadn't voted in the last two elections or are just not regular voters at all or voting for the first time. And there is something to be said, too, about uh, the young voters. That's a really large cohort of voters. And so those folks are coming in the rolls too. It doesn't capture that. But every election is about turnout. So uh, Stacey Abrams is absolutely right about that. And so there is room for her to grow. Uh, there is going to be turnout that we are not capturing. Uh, the Kent folks, uh, they are running uh, not, they're, they're, there's no victory lap there. Uh, I think they also realize the soil conditions for uh, the polling not being able to necessarily capture some of the things that uh, that could be happening uh, over the next uh, four weeks. Now, all that said, uh, there are some things that the agents' campaign should be concerned about. Uh, one of them I will just point out again is her perhaps Needing to close the deal more with African American voters, I mean that is her base. So the idea that this poll says that she's grouped at about 80 percent with them, and if you look at uh, the, the, those same respondents, uh, it, uh, black voters are about 90 percent on board with Warnock and 80 percent on board with her. Uh, she probably should be concerned about that a bit. So again, um, it is a snapshot. There are lots of things that it doesn't uh, that it won't capture. And the ultimate poll, of course, is Election Day.
0: Uh, Kurt, of course, if uh, you're the Abrams campaign, you'd want people to look at the Quinnipiac poll, which was released yesterday. They show it, uh, the governor's race, as a dead heat, 50 percent for Kemp and 49 percent for Abrams. The problem with it is they don't share with us their, uh, their, their specific uh, samples. They don't tell us what percentage are, represent uh, black votes, uh, women and the like. So, uh, and we've been very transparent. We spent a good part of our show yesterday talking about the methodology and who was sampled in this poll. So, Kurt, what we do think, regardless of whether you believe Quinnipiac or AJC GPB and the Georgia News Collaborative, we know this race is going to tighten because races do as we move toward Election Day.
2: And that narrative that's coming out of a camp uh, is trying to speak to that point. Uh, the tightening of the race uh, is going if that of course happens, which I think it will, then it makes the point that they're trying to emphasize with regard to the massive turnout that she has been claiming uh, responsibility for. I don't think it's all her. It, it, I think it's a network of individuals that connect to uh, grassroots and rural votes. Uh, Atlanta sometimes gets the headlines, but the, the, the turnout in the rural parts of the state and the capacity to organize to turn out that vote in the rural parts of the state is what's going to help draw the uh, the, the election closer.
0: Kurt, Kurt, let me jump in. Why do you think that um, the polling shows that Abrams has not consolidated the uh, black vote in, in Georgia at this point?
2: So now of course we know that the 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 same thing applies to any uh, a, a, any group in American politics right we don't we're not talking about monoliths here right we have some very serious uh uh, uh differences within group uh, there's an expectation that the black community. I think President Biden said on the on the show with the young folk uh, that if you vote for the uh, Republicans, and you're not black. It's some madness like that, right? I don't know, I'm know I'm butchering that, but you you recall the the controversy, and it, it suggests that there are uh, that there's this kind of monolithic approach to the vote, um, and and sometimes we see that there are differences in the black vote. Uh, uh, for example, for example, we know that the black community. Culturally, socially, as you was mentioning earlier, is traditionally conservative on social issues. This uh, uh, this isn't new on cultural issues. Uh, the black community is conservative, and and so when that uh, sticks its head up in these elections, we we sometimes get shocked. Um, now now there's a caveat though, Bill, that I think uh, I want us to always remember uh, what. Uh, 2018 uh, uh, showed us, which is the possibility that the polls not only reflect what Leroy was saying a moment ago with regard to a snapshot, but there's also a problem that's becoming more and more prominent, at least perhaps more and more visible, that what people, how people respond in polls aren't going to tell us how they're going to vote. All right, and to the extent that sometimes the response to the polls uh is a reflection of the, the respondent telling the, the questioner what it is or the questionnaire what they believe the uh um the, the questionnaire wants one to say. All right. And so uh, I'm not quite certain, I I conclude by saying this, Bill, I'm not quite certain that what the polls are telling us about the schisms or the uh, the disconnect potentially within the black vote is going to be a reflection of exactly how black folk will vote when the vote uh, uh, counts on Election Day.
0: Uh, Leo, one of the other uh, things we have to keep in mind here is that, um, as although the race is going to probably narrow, Leroy made an awfully good point. The the uh, Kemp campaign is not doing any victory laps. They've run a very smart race so far, and they know this is the time they've really got to press uh, to get out every vote they possibly uh, can.
3: No, we're seeing exactly that. So as uh, Stacey Abrams struggles with. Um, was traditionally a automatic win with the black vote getting above uh, 90% or at least a um, while above, well above uh, in the high 80s. Uh, she's struggling with that. Kemp is not taking that for granted and sort of taking his victory lap, as you say. He is spending time at Clark Atlanta University. I think last week he did an event and forum there with a bunch of radio broadcasting folks Um, That went off really well. He's spending a lot of time talking with black business people all over the state. He's got a very strong uh, Asian American Pacific Islander coalition, um, working a lot with foundations in those communities. So he's doing a lot of minority voter engagement work that I, as a former voter engagement director for the Georgia GOP, I'm quite proud of seeing people take the black community, the Latino community, and the Asian American community not for granted, that we're looking at them as serious voting blocks. And I think that's better for our Democratic Republic to have those voices in, because now you're getting true representation, because people are going into communities that they normally wouldn't do. Now, that trend, though, i just say real quickly, of how Democrats are fan with Black voters. This is not new to Stacey Abrams, and I want to be fair there. This has been trending for quite some time, There's been sort of like this black to center, back to center kind of movement of black people, especially Hispanics, uh, especially Mexican-Americans have been conservative more than people thought. So this is not, this isn't just on Stacey Abrams.
0: All right, we're going to watch exactly uh, what the demographics are once the election is actually held. But Leroy, you know, there's an, uh, by the way, the Quinnipiac poll shows Raphael Warnock with a seven point lead over Uh, his opponent, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, a little different from the polling uh, that we did, uh, which was about three points um, within the margin of error. One final, very well, we don't even have time for it uh, because we are completely out of time before we have to go to the final pledge break uh, before the news. I'll say one quick thing. In some strange way, the Quinnipiac poll is better news for both Abrams for, Ab- for, for, for Kemp, because if people think the race is within one point, those Kemp voters who, with a 10-point margin, may have said, I don't even have to bother to go out and cast a ballot. That's what Kemp wants to, to avoid. And maybe for Abrams as well, uh, If if it's a one-point difference, that's motivation to get her people out to the polls. So it's interesting to think about how these different results play out with voters because, as Leroy Chapman said getting out the vote and who votes is the only thing that really matters. We're completely out of time for today's Political Rewind. Um, Leroy uh, Chapman, Kurt Young, Leo Smith, thanks for being with us. Let's go back to our pledge team so you can find out how you can join us in supporting uh, public radio at GPB. I'm Bill Nygut. See you all tomorrow. Take care. Stay healthy. Bye, everybody.